today even as i welcome avan i want to encourage you open your hearts and receive him he has a story that will blow your minds he has a story that will tell you that christ is alive even today amen avan avan for you yeah and i will encourage you after listening to his story to Riding come back tonight with your friends come back Just because he has a story of what christ can do for you amen to the seven churches light turned to see as you listen to the words who was speaking jesus said if you lift me up if you raise me up i'll draw all people to myself so that's all i want to do In the middle of the stands was one like the son of man clothed in a robe reaching his feet and his hair was white and his eyes were on fire and his feet were burnished bronze from the heat of the trial and his breast was covered with a girdle of gold it was a sight cannot be told he said don't be afraid i'm the first and the last don't be I'm your future and your past the alpha omega by whom all things were made I felt peace when i heard
That's what Jesus said. If you lift me up, I'll draw men unto myself, unto himself. And that's what I've done today and will continue to do, is to give him the praise and the glory due to his name. There was a time when I had a heart and heart where I wouldn't be able to sit here and speak these words. But um, I was very moved today. It's only been one other time that I've actually sat there and poured my heart out in front of people. And that was in a uh, church in Rabina in the Gold Coast and I couldn't control my tears because I'd seen the, the weight of my life and the things that I'd done and I was so ashamed but when I stepped into the presence of God my hardened heart just melted. I want to thank um, Bay City and Pastor Lynn, Pastor, for inviting me here today to, uh, to share a testimony about grace. Um, what I'd like to do is, if you don't know what this thing is, it's a Jewish ram's horn or a shofar. And uh, it's the sound of a watchman. They used to sound these on the walls, and this is what it sounds like. If you've never heard this before, you might want to put your hands over your ears if you're... The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. My name is Owen Pumana. I know quite a few, few people here over my last year, but I've got to know people. Like I said, it's a, it's a privilege to be here today. I'm 40 years of age. I'm uh, currently from, originally from Hawke's Bay, and I have two older brothers and three elder sisters. My two elder brothers are quite famous in the, the sport of powerlifting. I competed in bodybuilding. We lived in a little rural uh, tin sharing quarters sheds around Hawke's Bay when we were young, and um, we topped and tail as kids, and we lived off the land. We ate eels and all sorts of stuff. We were quite privileged to be able to be sent to a Catholic boarding school down in Palmerston North called Hatapalda Māori Boys College. I spent three years. Over that three years, I, I, I was the captain of all the sporting teams that, that I can remember. But in my fifth form year, I lost my father. And I bought today a, um, a taiaha that was made for me by a master carver. And I've got a story to tell about this taiaha, because on the front of it, it's got my father's name, which says Te Aukator. And Te Aukator means the whole world. I lost my father in 1987, and as a result of losing, losing my dad, I didn't really want to be at school, and I had my heart set on going to the armed services. So I, um, I applied for all the armed services, and the Navy was the first to draft so as at the age of 17 years old, 16 going into 17, I joined the Royal New Zealand Navy and became a, a, a seaman gunnery rate and I travelled the world. This tyre actually has been on some, some tremendous journeys with me and um, a great thing about this tyre is when it was made, when it was presented to me, we took it to a holy man of God, Peopa Max Mariu, who's now no longer with us, and he blessed this, and he prayed a mighty karakia over it. And, you know, as I look at it, with my father's name on it, it's actually a gift from my father in heaven. He would honour me through my culture, you know, a tonga or a special gift, just like Moses had a staff. But for me, it was this taiaha. So the journey begins. I... Actually travelled the world and saw lots of places as a young 16, 17 year old, got into lots of fights and drunken night, night outs as a young person would. And 
I even jumped ship in North Africa to join the French Foreign Legion in Djibouti, North Africa. I just got court-martialed in the end. And um, when I come back, I tried applying for the New Zealand SAS. I couldn't get a transfer. So I didn't actually want to be in the Navy anymore, so I, I pursued a career in personal training back here in Napier. I um, took on the sport of bodybuilding through a friend of mine who said, you're in fantastic condition, Owen. Why don't you have a try at bodybuilding? So I... Um, Six weeks later, I was competing. Um, at the same time, I'd, I'd fell in love with a, with a young lady, and I had my heart set on marrying this young girl, and we struck up a relationship. And as I, as I furthered my career in bodybuilding, I represented New Zealand at international and world level and placed fifth. On my last, last competition I did in the United States of America, I, um, I come back and was so excited to see my family and my friends but also had been delivered some news. And then this news would, would change the direction and, and, and the things that were happening in my life. I found out that my best friend, who'd been friends for years, spent time at my house and knew my family and knew my mum, was having a relationship with my, uh, my girlfriend. I didn't want to believe it at first when I, was, when I heard this and I actually caught them at a, um, an event where I had to look through a little window jump up on a rubbish bin and look through and see them enjoying themselves. And my heart missed the beat and I thought the end of the world was, was coming upon me. So that night I got terribly drunk with my friends and I went up to Bluff Hill and with, with rage in my heart and crying in my heart, I, um, I had my foot over the side of Bluff Hill and I stood there and I looked at the bottom. You know, I, I couldn't jump. Thank God I never jumped. It was too high. <laughs> so I went home, and then I got invited to go down to Wauru, down to uh, the Powder Keg Hotel, and I just got drunk. And uh, my life started to go really backwards, and my friends started to lose, um, started to learn, lose faith in me because I was changing. I had my car repossessed, and life was going backwards, and people didn't really want to be around me because of the sadness I had in my heart. I was actually crying out for help, but... No one wanted to help me in the way that I wanted to know. They just gave me bottles of beer. Um, I ended up in a, in, in a car accident and um, I just about lost my life. We hit a big tree at 200 kilometres an hour and um, I survived a car crash. And um, five weeks later, I thought, well, New Zealand, you, you can pretty much... I've had enough of you, New Zealand. I, um, I travelled the world being in the Navy. So I jumped on a plane with $500 in my pocket and say goodbye to my family and my friends. And um, it dawned on me when I arrived in Sydney at 10, 11 o'clock at night that I didn't have anywhere to go. And um, my family didn't know where I was going either. I thought I had it all together because of my education, the Navy experience, and my sporting credentials. And for three weeks, I stayed in a hotel up the King's Cross. And um, because I'd been there as a as a young sailor, through seven and a half years of travelling the world, I thought, well, it's going to be pretty easy to get a job. I'm educated. Every job I went to, the same question was asked. Who can vouch for you and do you have a phone number? I couldn't, I couldn't um, supply any of those questions that were being asked. And um, I remembered my last $100. I was too proud to ring home. I didn't want to ring home because, because my family was so successful that... I received a lie into my spirit, and that was, they're going to call you a loser, you know. So I said to myself, well, I might as well die here in the streets of Sydney. So with my last $100, I took my bags, and there's a little park down over the back of King's Cross and Rushcutters Bay, and uh, I found a little woodshed that I could sleep in with my bags, with a cardboard box and a newspaper. And I remember people walking through the park, and I, I was dressed quite nice and I still had nice clothes in my bag. But the responses and the looks that I got from people when I went past, it, it wasn't really encouraging. You know, the people were thinking, you know, what a loser or, or, or things like that. They probably weren't thinking those things. But for me, you know, where was it going to end? So I remember my last $10, I had bought a packet of chips and a loaf of bread. I was going to the local uh, toilet that was at the front there and having a wash. And, and trying to trying to get a job, but same doors closed. 
I was walking through King's Cross and a couple of big bouncers turned around and said to me, hey, bro, you want to come in for a drink? I said, I don't have any money. They said, we've got money. That's all right, you can come in. So I went in and they said, where are you living? I said, I I, I don't have anywhere to live at the moment. I'm staying down in the park. They said, well, come and stay with us. So they took me back to a a dodgy pub in Blacktown in Doonside and um, I lived with them for about six weeks. I then... um, I got, a, I got a job offer back in doing uh, personal training at a gym called Bayswater Fitness in Darlinghurst. And um, when I was walking past another, a, uh, another nightclub, some bouncers turned around and said to me, hey, bro, do you, do you want to do some work? I said, no, I, I'm not really interested in uh, security work. I've done that in New Zealand. They said, it's not security work. It's debt collecting. I said, oh, what do you mean, debt collecting? I said, just collecting money. Come by tomorrow and go with one of our one of our boys, and um, so I went with one of these blokes. And I remember travelling in a car wherever we were going. I wouldn't have a clue. I think it could have been the eastern suburbs. And he, he threw me a green canvas army bag, and I said, "What's in that?" And he said, "It's yours." So I opened it up, and there was a 12 gauge Frankie Spears shotgun with rounds. I said, "What is that?" And he said, "That's yours." I said, well, what are we doing? We're hunting pigs. He said, no, do you think they're just going to give us the money? I said, what money? And he said, our money. So I, um, because I'd been homeless, only for three, uh, a month, just under a month, I, um, I knew what it was like, and that day we earned quite a bit of money. And um, to cut a long story short, within the space of time, my life went out of control, and I was doing some bad stuff to survive. My life came to a halt when I, I did my first term in prison. I, um, I robbed a brothel in King's Cross run by some people in the underworld. And um, part of my, my story, which I hadn't told you, and I haven't really told most people, but God wanted me to share this with you today, is part of my brokenness in the streets led me to become a, a, um, a male gigolo for about three weeks. I actually went back and robbed that brothel afterwards. Um, that's when I had no money. I'm able to share that with you today because there's nothing in my, in my heart that I don't want to share that God loves people. As much as it's embarrassing and to the family, I, I just remembered what it was having no, no food or any kai in my pocket. Um, so I went to jail and I served one and a half years in a maximum security jail in Sydney called Silverwater. Um, and I met the movers and shakers of the outlaw motorcycle gangs in the underworld. When I got out, I had looked after a Jewish rabbi's son. He was a pretty dodgy rabbi. <laughs> and um, I brought my brother Wayne to come and live with me over in Australia, and we became armed debt collectors. And um, we had a fallout after this man got kidnapped by six carloads of Lebanese with guns, and um, they held him ransom, and then... My brother and I had a sort of a little fallout and I became homeless in the streets again. At that stage, I'd already met pretty prominent men in the underworld and I had an invitation to go live with the national president of the Banditos Motorcycle Club um, where I, I lived with them for six months. They took me in and basically I did some heavy stuff. Um, and I decided to, at one stage, to try and break away from stuff that I was doing so I went to Queensland and I tried to get my life back on track with personal training and I had started my own business with Fitness First um, Health Clubs in Lutwich, Queensland. I got back around the nightclubs again and got back around girls and fell back into drugs. Um, I ended up le- uh, lending a couple of hundred thousand dollars to a bloke in the Hells Angels and um, might have seen on TV not that long ago there was a big shootout between two motorcycle gangs at a kickboxing event in, in Australia. Anyway, this, this, this bloke is now serving 35 years in a Barwon prison and um, I actually write letters to him, he's my brother now. But um, at that stage I had some people come and visit me when I was in Queensland, heavy people from Melbourne, and they said to me, where's our money? And um, at that stage, these people had been threatening friends of mine's family. They were talking about their kids and stuff like that. And I said, 
I'm willing to go for a walk into the swamp. Just take my life. And they said, no, we just want the money. So then I decided that I'd, I'd, I'd rip off the big, biggest drug dealers in the country and police uniforms with guns to repay this money. So I, um, I, I started robbing the biggest heroin dealers in the country in police uniforms. And um, my life came to a stand halt when uh, I walked in on one of the biggest operations that Queensland Police National Crime Association, the federal police were doing on a set of blokes. It wasn't for me. And I've walked in and I've told them I've just come from an armed robbery of a heroin dealer for $900,000. And um, I got taken into custody after I come out because there's a whole tactical response team waiting for me. So um, the head of federal police come and see me and said, you've, you've got a um, very interesting life, Owen. And um, I said, you've got nothing. I'll be out the next day. Well, I actually stayed in jail for about 21 days. And I asked my friend to ask some people that I'd done some collections for if they could help me out. They pretty much turned their backs on me. And when I did get bail, I went to see this club. And as a result of, of no wisdom in my life at that stage, um, I was met with five blokes with steel hammers. At that stage, I usually had my gun on me. See, I'm not saved that yet. But I, um, I didn't have my gun on me that day. And they come out of the woodwork and they all stood me. It was just like that passage in the Bible where it says, you know, bulls of Bashan have surrounded me. And um, they held all their club tops on and they had big steel hammers. And I said, fight me like a man. I could fight. And they said, um, no. Nah. So I got hammered for 15 minutes, my eye hanging out, my body bashed to a pulp. I walked out of this car yard at 12 o'clock in the day, my pride broken. And, and, and very blessed to be alive. And I went to hospital. My friend come down and he started crying and he said, Owen, when is this going to stop? You've had life of this, this, this rubbish. And I sat there with a, a thing in my mouth and drips in my arms. And I said, well, after I deal with the people who want to take my life. So when I was in prison, they actually took my tyre hire and they took all my belongings. And um, I didn't know actually you had it. So I, um, I said to my friend, have you got your car out here? He said, yeah. The police come and saw me and said, do you want to press charge? I said, no. I jumped out of the, the hospital bed in my dressing gown, took me home with my battered body, and we went back to his apartment. I said, can I borrow your phone? He said, yes. I rang a drug dealer, and I said, do you have any of that pee? And he said, you don't smoke that stuff. And I said, well, I do today. What sort of guns do you have? And um, he, he named a few guns. I said, no, I want big guns and I want bombs. He said, it sounds like you're going out on this one. I said, I'm going to take all the lives of those people who want to have a crack at me. And um, he said, well, that's pretty heavy, Owen. My friend turned around and said to me, Owen, you can't stay at our place. That's just that's too heavy. I said, that's fine. So I moved into a um, place and I started ringing three motorcycle gangs because you know, in my spirit I thought, they're going to kill me, so I'm going to take every single one of them out. So I started ringing their clubhouses and I started causing havoc. I started robbing them, kicking their bikes over, just a real muck. Anyway, um, I ended up getting my tyre back after a, um, an outlaw motorcycle gang sent up a hitman to shoot me. And um, I sat with this hitman and I worked out why he was there. We become best friends after about a quarter of an hour. And um, I actually took him on a collection. And after it, he said, why are you like the way you are? I said, they've got my tyre and he said, what is it about the Taihan? I said, it's got my father's name on it, so it's a family heirloom. And he said, well, if I get that stick thing back for you will, you, will you, will you stop harassing my club? I said, it really has nothing to do with you, but yeah. So he got the, the Taihan back for me, and um, I was very smart because at the end of it, 11 o'clock at night, he wanted to take me out to Ipswich. And I said, nobody goes out to Ipswich or Toowoomba at 11 o'clock at night. And he knew I was smart, and he said, don't worry about it then. That night, I went down to the beach. I had my tyre and I got it back. I had a 45 caliber pistol in my pocket. I had a pee pipe in my pocket. And I went down to the beach and I cried out to God. And I said, if there's a God, you need to help me. I said, I'm smashed on the pee 24 hours of the day. I've got bikers who want to take my life, hit men after me. I said, I don't know who you are. I said, but if you're real, will you show yourself to me? 
And this is the confession that I'd said. If you help me, I'll give up the drugs, the guns, the violence and the gangs and I'll serve you. Little did I know that, you know, three weeks later that a friend of mine, Bruce, and a pastor named Ken Bergen were travelling in their car to do some sales or whatever they're doing. Bruce is a friend of mine. He was actually a backslidden Christian at the time. And um, Pastor Ken was talking about visiting people because he, he's, he's like an evangelist as well. He's an amazing man. He loves testifying to people. And um, Bruce said jokingly in the spirit to God, he said, if you can get on, I'll give my life back to you. So he, he, he spoke to Pastor Ken. He said, oh, I know someone you can go and speak to. And he said, oh, tell me more. What's his name? He said, Owen Pumana. And he said, oh, yeah? Well, what's it up with Owen? He goes, the bikers hate him. He's belted them all and he's, he's, he's got a gun and he's probably smashed on drugs. And Do you want to go and see him? He goes, yeah, take me to see him. So he was having a good laugh with God saying, yeah, this is going to be real funny. Bruce was a casual smoker of the um, pee. So when he arrived at my house, I'm quite surprised to see an elder gentleman in the car. And um, Bruce come in and said, where's the pipe? I said, it's in the room. I said, who's in the car? He said, Pastor Ken. I said, well, what do you mean, Pastor Ken? He goes, yeah, Pastor Ken. Well, what's a pastor? He said, a priest. What would you bring him to my house for? <laughs> and um, so anyway, he's gone down to the um, room. And I've sat at the door because I always have a gun on me because I, I'm not expecting any visitors to come to the door. At that stage, I'm waiting a, uh, a trial and, um, for that actual armed robbery. And so curiosity got the better of me and I stood at the door and I, I beckoned this elder gentleman in the car and he stepped out and he came hobbling up to the door and um, he said, oh, you're Owen? I said, yeah. Well, you're a pastor or something? He said, yeah, I'm Pastor Ken. I said, oh, yeah. Do you want to come inside? He goes, yeah. And he said, um, you know, what's going on in your life, Owen? I've heard a lot about you. And I said, oh, I don't know what you've heard about me, but you're most welcome to my house. Bruce is a friend of mine. He said, um, so what's going on in your life? I said, you know, I'm not even, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. I'm 35 years old. I've got a 45 caliber pistol in my pocket. I've got drugs on the table. And uh, people hate me. They want to shoot me. And I'm going to jail for a long, long time. He said, man, you need God. I stepped back and I went, who? He said, you need Jesus. I said, you're joking, right? I said, um, you think this Jesus can help me out where I am now? Drugs, court. He said, yeah. I said, you're speaking a language I don't understand the language you're speaking. He put out his hand. He never touched me. <laughs> Smacked that on the ground. And... Um, all I can explain to you is I felt strange, I felt weird, hot and cold and just like I was standing before, just joy come in my heart and I, I had no reason for it. When my friend Bruce came out from the room, he saw me on the ground and the first thing he said to me was, how come you're on the ground? <laughs> I said, man, I feel weird. I, said, I feel like I don't have drugs in my body. And he said, you're kidding me. And he looked at Pastor Kenny and he said, what did you hit him? And he said, I, d I didn't touch him. And he said, ask him. And he said, oh, I don't believe it. And I said, what have you done to me? And he said, Jesus loves you, Owen. And um, as I stood up, he's got his arms open wide. And he says, you want a hug? I thought, man, this is weird. <laughs> Twelve years of being around outlaw motorcycle gangs and had a heart and heart. And I, I, I said, oh, yeah, okay. So <laughs> he gave me a big hug. And then, you know, he, he spoke some words and obviously it was a salvation prayer. I hadn't a clue what I was muttering and uttering then. But I, I said after him anyway, he said, are you baptised, Owen? I said, I went to a Catholic boys' school. And he said, that's all right, come out and get baptised next week. So I said, oh, if my friend Bruce comes and brings me out, then I'll, I'll, I'll come. I said, because next week I'm going to jail anyway. So my friend came and picked me up. And it was, there was three people this time. The same thing happened. I didn't know what was happening, but I, I just got knocked out for some reason. And um, an Aboriginal bloke I'd never, ever met in my life before stood up. And these words he said to me, he said, God is telling, to, telling me to tell you to remember being a child in his arms. I thought, wow, I've heard this before. And that was six months before when I was doing community service at a church called Reach Out for Christ Ministries on the coast, run by an awesome pastor named Steve Ryder, who I'll be, who I'll be joining tomorrow in Fiji. And um, there was a bloke. He ran up to me and um, as I was leaving one day, I was told to stay away from this bloke. His name was Martin because he was a crazy Christian.
And um, because I didn't know anything about God or Jesus or nobody had witnessed to me on my community service at Reach Out for Christ, I, um, this Martin stood off about 15 metres from me. He said, I need to tell you something. I said, what? <laughs> he said, um, don't hit me, man. He said, God's telling me to tell you to remember being a child in his arms. Well, that's really amazing because the first time that I ever heard that, that, that comment when I was 17 years old, I had my first leave in the Navy and I remembered on the outskirts of Bayview, I had to get back to Auckland to sail on the HMNZ Waikato to uh, Samoa. And I'd missed my bus. That's why I was hitchhiking. And I remember quite clearly, it was a VW combi van. What my interpretation, what Jesus looked like, was driving behind the wheel. So I've got my thumb out, car coming towards me. And he opened the door and I'm playing some sort of church music. And I thought, oh, I don't want to ride, sort of thing. And he said, where are you off to? I said, I'm off to Auckland. He said, so am I. Jump in. So it didn't take him long after he found out what my name was. And um, he said, Owen, God's telling me to tell you to remember being a child in his arms. At that stage, I just put my hand rest to the outside rest and went, what? He said, uh, God's telling me to remember being a child in his arms. I said, hey, mister, man, I just want the ride. And um, so three times within 20 years that I had heard that, 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 that comment, as I know what the word of God says now, I believe what he's speaking was in Psalm 139, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous were the works when I wrought you in the secret place. I wrote the book on your life. So with relationship, which I didn't really know at that stage, you know, I've been in the arms of the Most High God and he knows my name. So a week later, I'm sitting in court. And if you've been to court before, if you've had people who've been to court, all your friends will say, I'll be there to support you, bro, even my gang friends. Not one turned up when I was in Sydney. Not one turned up when I was in Queensland. But there was a whole courtroom full of people I didn't know. And they were elder people, and they had big smiles on their faces. And I was, instead of looking at the judge and the police officers, I had my view of all these people smiling at me in the docks. And I said, oh, I don't mean to be rude, but who are you, people? They said, you're Owen. Are you in the right courtroom? They said, yeah, you're Owen. I said, yeah. I don't, I don't have a clue who you are. They said, we're Pastor Ken's friends, we're Christians. And I said, oh, what do you want? <laughs> They said, we're here to support you, Owen. God's told us to come and support you here today. I said, man, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard, but thank you very much. I said, you're doing something to my heart. Heart and heart yet again, you know what I mean? I said, you didn't have to do that, but thank you. So my court never gets off the ground. Pastor King gives me a, week, a ring a week later. I was staying in a very nice apartment, $750 a week, three spare bedrooms, and I had all the luxuries that you could, you, you could want. Because as a debt collector, I used to steal them off people, just pull up and say, pull all your stuff in the car, point a gun at them or whatever. And um, he said, uh, are the drugs a problem for you, Owen? I remember you telling me that you were stuck on the pee. And I said, that's not a question that someone's usually asked me, but um, I think I've got a habit, Pastor Ken. He said, um, would you like to come and live with us? We've got a, uh, a five-bedroom house, but there's room for you in our garage. We've got a spare room but it's in the garage. And I said, well, that's a nice offer, Pastor Ken, but um, I'm, I've got an apartment and I've got three spare bedrooms. He said, I know, Bruce told me you live in a really nice house. And um, he said, but do you want to come live with us? So I was sitting there, scratching my head, and I went, what, in your garage? He said, yeah. I said, I just told you I live in an apartment. And he goes, I know, you've told me twice now. So I wrestled with him for about five minutes and then I caved in. It was like the woman who was arguing with the judge. I just said, come pick me up, you silly man. So he come pick me up. I left my bike, my, my, my riches and my wealth and stuff and I, I moved into this garage. There was just nothing. It was like a police cell. And um, you know, I thought, what, what in the world am I doing here? And he come and see me the second day I was there and he said, I'm going to take you somewhere special. I said, well... Pastor Ken, I can get into any strip club from, from Melbourne to Brisbane, any nightclub. This will be interesting. Where are we going? So anyway, um, I wasn't prepared for where it was going to be taking me. So at 10 o'clock, I had the privilege of travelling with Pastor Ken. And we went to the streets of Coolangatta at 10 o'clock at night. And I believe this is what God was saying to me. He said, I want you to open your eyes. I want you to listen with your ears. And I want you to try and understand with your heart. Because you're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. And... Um, so I watched Pastor Ken, and as I stood off from a distance, he went up to complete utter strangers and park benches. I knew what homelessness was, 
but these people have been there a lot longer than I did. And if you've seen homeless people, you know, they don't look like they've got real fresh clothes on and had their head slumped. And he sat with them. And I thought, man, this is quite strange, what I'm seeing. And he could have been singing songs, giving them food, money, whatever. I witnessed this for 15 minutes. And after he'd come back, I said to him, you're obviously trying to show me something, Pastor Ken. He said, Owen, this is what Jesus was like. he came to heal the brokenhearted, open the eyes of the blind. I said, Owen, he said, Owen, he loves the homeless. He loves people. And um, I felt the weight of my life, even though I'd given my heart to the Lord, like a projector, I could see all the things that I'd done in my life. And I said, Pastor Ken, I'm truly a bad man. I've done some bad things. He said, you, but you've been saved, Owen. And um, I said, um, so you're telling me this is what that Jesus come to do? I said, I don't know much about Jesus, God, or even the Bible, religion. And he said, yeah. I said, thank you for interpreting for me. I'm not offended by what you've just said because I've been homeless. That's a good thing, what you've done. And he said, um, will you help me? And he had his arms open again. I'm standing there. I said help you what, Pastor Ken? He said, reach the lost. And I said, I don't know how to. And he said, just follow me. As Jesus told me, follow me. So I stayed with Pastor Ken for six months. I saw signs and wonders and miracles as I was trying to understand the word of God, throwing it in the corner, picking it up, throwing it in the corner because I was reading a King James Bible and I couldn't understand what it was saying. So uh, coming up to my court date, uh, I still had to make a decision at that stage. You know, I'd seen the signs and wonders and miracles. And um, I paid my lawyer $21,000 to get me off. And um, all I had to do was put a drug dealer, biggest drug dealer in Queensland, in the stand, and him testify against me wouldn't have happened. As I walked into the inns of court, in front of me, in front of the barrister and solicitor, was a King James Bible staring at me. And the barrister said, tomorrow you're a free man. You don't have to report for another. You've been reporting for two years, five days a week. You don't have to report anymore. You're a free man. I saw a vision of Jesus standing behind the barrister. I saw Peter, the apostle. He said, Peter said this, I'll follow you to jail, even to death. He said, you'll deny me tomorrow. I said, I'm not going to deny you. The barrister and solicitor look at each other. And they said, deny who? I'm speaking to a vision. He obviously can't see. And um, I just said, Jesus. And they went, Jesus who? I said, oh, don't worry about it. What will I get for a guilty plea? They said, you're kidding me, right? I said, no, I, I pay the bills, so what am I looking at? And they said, you'll do six to eight years. You've already been done with guns, drugs, outlaw motorcycle gang members, and um, you're pretty much a terrorist. He said, is this a Christian thing is why you're asking this question? I said, yeah. Jesus said, if I confess with my mouth that I'm a sinner, I said, you know what? I know the things I've done in my life, friends, family, to people. And I said, I don't have to carry that condemnation in my heart anymore. And they went, are you back on the P? <laughs> I said, no, you know I'm not on the P. And they said, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And um, they said, so because you didn't want to do the right thing because you're saying you're a Christian, that you want to go to jail for six to eight years. I said, you know what, I didn't say I wanted to go to jail, but I'm looking at eternity. They've looked at each other real weird and said, eternity for what? I said, the kingdom of heaven. They said, you're nuts. I signed a form and I walked out after looking into Jesus' eyes again and I shared that vision when I went home to Pastor Ken, they were having a Bible study. I said, tomorrow I'm going to be a free man but I'm going to jail for six to eight years. And um, after, after sharing with him what had happened, he said, no, God's going to honour what you've done, Owen. Next day I hopped into the only suit that I had and um, as we're travelling out to the court, Pastor Ken said, I feel in my spirit to tell you today, Owen, God's telling me to tell you that you're not going to jail today. I sighed, I put my hands on top of my head and I went, oh, what would you say something like that for? I'm pleading guilty to armed robbery. That's not possible. He said, Owen, all things are possible if you believe in God. And I went, I oh, will just see. So we get to the court, he asked my barrister, and he said, we need to, to get your life about who you were before you come to Australia, Owen. He said, um, you're looking at a long time. So anyway, we asked the judge if we could have a, um, a standover period for seven days or 30 days. The... Um, judge said, I'll let this if the prosecutor allows it. Now, police officer wants to stick these handcuffs on me. She's itching to get them on me. And um, the prosecutor stands up, but he can't speak. He can't even stand up. God's put confusion in his head. Police officer next to me is going, this man's looked like he's drunk. 
I knew what was happening. Pastor Ken and, and his fellowship are praying to God and he's laughing because he knows what God's doing. They wrestled for five minutes and then he gave us our request. He's then turned around to uh, the judge and the judge has given me 60 days to come back. So he's released me for 60 days. I've got a double portion of God's favour. The police officer was really confused and said, why am I putting handcuffs on you? And I said, because I've got a double portion of God's favour. He says, what does that mean? I said, all you need to do is repent, give your heart to the Lord, and you'll be worthy to go to the kingdom of heaven too. She looked at me and she said, oh, you're a weirdo. So anyway, I'm sitting down at the bottom of the cells and um, a piece of scripture was put into my, um, into my heart. It was Jeremiah 32. I hadn't had an understanding what that scripture meant, but I do now. I was asking the question, why am I locked up in this prison? How is that possible freedom? Jeremiah was locked up in the courts, the prison too. The king of Israel sent his nephew, had a set of title deeds, and he said, you need to sign these deeds so we can uh, buy back houses, plant vineyards. I said, I haven't got a clue what that means towards why I'm in jail here, Lord. And he said, much like Jeremiah, you're locked in the prison. The title deeds in this case is the sureties are in place for your freedom. You're asking for freedom. And he said, they all had to be in agreement, but it won't be to plant seeds. Uh, sorry, it won't be to plant vineyards and buy back houses. It's going to be to sow seeds to bring in a harvest of souls. You will be going to prison. But in 60 days, Pastor Ken will uh, teach you the principles of salvation, spiritual warfare, and um, doctrines of baptisms and stuff. You will be going to prison. So on the, on the 59th day, I um, get a ring from my barrister. He said, when you go and see the, the, the psychiatrist, don't speak about the Jesus God stuff. And I said, why not? He said, man, you're already getting six to eight years. Don't make it worse than it really is. I said, thanks for your concern. As I'm travelling on the train, I'm thinking about there's one of those lie-down chair things, you know, with look into my eyes sort of stuff. But there was an elder lady there with a set of glasses and she had a very big folder in front of her. She said, tell me about your life. So I started sharing the same story I'm sharing with you. It didn't take her long. She was bored. She was looking at the clock, playing with her hair. And I thought, man, this lady doesn't want to be here. So short in the story, I said, you know what, miss? I don't know what your name is. I'm not being rude or anything, but um, is that a story about my life? She said, yep. And I said, I just want to save you the time. I said, I understand there's consequences to actions, and I'm accepting of all those facts that are in there. I know there's people out there that won't forgive me for the things I've done. And I said, um, but I just want to let you know that I've become a Christian. She starts laughing, and it was an annoying sort of hands in the air, like, oh, I've heard it all before now. And I said, no, hear me out. And um, she said, would you like me to write a nice report because you're telling me you, you've become a Christian? I said, no, I couldn't help notice that you're yawning and you don't really want to be here. She said, you're probably wondering why I'm looking at the clock. I said, yeah. She said, well, in 20 minutes I'm going to see, I'm going to Byron Bay. It's now Friday. You step in front of a judge on Monday. She said, my professional opinion on a report, I need more than two days to, to, to sit with you. And now you're telling me that you're a Christian. I want to let you know that I'm a Christian too. I haven't got a clue what I'm going to write about you. I said, praise the Lord. Are you spirit-filled? She said, yes, I am. I said, why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to equip you to write what you need to? I'm already accepting of the facts. So I pulled the chair around, and we start praying for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> She's then given me a blessing. She said, look, she mentioned people's names in the Bible, Moses, all that. She said, they all, they all had a call in their life. She said, God's going to use you, Owen. She said, can I speak into your life? You just told me that you've been homeless, broken-hearted, been on drugs, gangs. She said, you can speak a testimony that brings you know, the Lord Jesus, glory, Owen, and God. And um, because you've been there, you can set them free, Owen, with the power of your testimony. And um, so she prayed a blessing. We've gone to court on the Monday. Pastor Ken said, I'm going to testify who you are in Christ Jesus. I said, I don't think you, you could be allowed, Pastor Ken. He said, I'm going to ask the barrister. So he asked the barrister and he said, don't even do that. He said, I'll have you ordered from the courtroom. So um, I said to Pastor Ken, you don't want to be here because there's going to be a TV cameras and uh, newspapers. But he said, that's the best time. So um, as they read out the charges, I had the police officers stick the handcuffs on me again. Whole courtroom full of reporters, sticky beat reporters. And um, Pastor Ken stands up in his, in his woolen shearing jacket sort of thing with his hand up. He's from Dargaville. And um, he said, excuse me, Your Honour. The police officer looks at him and goes, oh, what's going on now? Everyone's got their eyes locked on him. The barrister solicitor with their little Captain Cook hats on and their penguin suits on have looked around like this. And he goes, sit down, Pastor Ken. And he said, no. He's trying not to look at the barrister like this. He's looking at the judge. And the judge looks over those little glasses and he goes, can I help you? 
said, those charges don't reflect that man standing on the stand. The barrister said, I'm sorry, Your Honour, I'll just get him ordered from the courtroom. He goes, no, sit down, you lawyers, I, I want to hear this. So Pastor Ken steps forward, they're really embarrassed, and um, he swears in the Bible and he says, my name is Pastor Ken Bergen. I uh, come from Dargaville, I've come across from New Zealand with a fellowship called Praise Fellowship. God called us across here to preach the gospel of the kingdom to the Aboriginal people in the outback. We had a privilege of meeting Owen six months ago. We're not too sure what the circumstances of why we're here today, but he said, I'm here to tell you, Your Honour, that I baptised Owen. I brought Owen salvation. And he said, um, and we love Owen. And um, he said, uh, God's got a hold of his life and he's turned it upside down, but he knows what it's like to be loved, and we love him. And he said, um, is there any way that myself or my fellowship can take the punishment deserving that man? I have these court records on me. It's not just a, a, a testimony I can share with my mouth. This is written testimony. And um, he said, thank you, Pastor Ken. Everyone is still embarrassed. The police officer said to me, man, that's a good testimony. I had a big, big chunk in my throat. And, and I said, yeah. The judge squares up with his little glasses and he said, sometimes Christianity in court cases just simply a ploy, you know, uh, for a lighter sentence. And he said, Pastor Ken Bergen from the Praise Fellowship has spoken on your behalf today and um, he has credentials in psychiatric um, stuff in the jails in New Zealand and he said, I believe the conversion which you spoke about to Christianity is true. I accept your, your salvation is true. And he said, um, I believe that a custodial sentence, in my view, would not benefit you due to the uh, testimony that this pastor has spoken on your behalf. He said, in fact, the, the psychiatrist Meg Perkins says in her statement, and he reads, that you see yourself as going from darkness to light, and, but you are accepting of the facts. And she said that um, basically the same as Pastor Ken. So he said, with those two testimonies alone, I know that a sentence of jail will not benefit you, but the community requirement for, for um, charges of this nature, Mr Pomano, is that we can't have bogus police officers with guns robbing drug dealers in the street. <laughs> I sentenced you to five years jail with 18 months to serve. Take the prisoner from the courtroom. They said I'd get six to eight years. God said, my son, there's a consequence to actions, but for this purpose I've called you forward. That I went into the prison, served the Lord, and I saw 81 salvations. I spoke to hundreds. I spoke to people in police trucks and in the, in the jails that I was transferred to, not asking the question as why I was there, whatever period. I spoke with many men who had been convicted of murders, lost people, broken-hearted people. I want you to understand this. There's not only, you don't have to be in prison to, to have these broken hearts and stuff like that, but I was able to be the eyes, the hands and the feet, the representation of Christ Jesus within wherever I was to, to have an ear to listen Man, I heard some stories that would make you cry. You, you possibly be carrying some of these stories in your heart. People who put their guns to their heads and stealing things because they can't feed their families or because they have habits. A lot of stuff that's been stored up in people's hearts that they, they couldn't share. But because we're in a, sharing a common cell together, you know, people would say, how come you're smiling, sort of stuff. And, and I'd, I'd, preach the, I'd preach Jesus and I'd preach the gospel of the kingdom to them. I'd take them aside, they would, they would share their heart, the Holy Spirit would move, I'd try and find some sort of cup, <laughs> I'd try and baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit you know, just, just with water. And, um, and it was such a privilege to serve the Lord. And um, the day I got out, I had the federal police come and pick me up, there was five armed escort with guns, and they said, we know that you're a Christian, Owen. Um, we've got to take you back to New Zealand. I said, that's fine. So I've stepped out of freedom into, into handcuffs again. And as we're going to the, to, to the airport, the head of the federal police said, they said, you're probably going to preach to us too. And um, I said, yeah. <laughs> so I got onto the plane. They broke protocol. They gave, me my, uh, they gave me some money and they gave me a passport, took the handcuffs off. Four of them disappeared around the plane. And he put his chair back, put his seat up his feet up and he goes, lay it on me brother. <laughs> so I, so I, I, I preached the Lord to him. I left Australia with the sandals on my feet. I just had the sandals. I said, what about my bikes, cars and all the stuff? And the Lord said, how did you get all that stuff? He said, that's not of me. I cut the soul tie. And um, so I come back to New Zealand. 
just on, it must be a year and three quarters now, and I knew no one, I knew nothing of church. Um, church for me was in a truck ministering to people, and um, I was very lost. Within the first week, I met a mighty man named Richard Frame, who's a charismatic Catholic, and um, I ended up getting a shofar off him because my friend had one of those things in, uh, in Australia. She said, the devil hates it. I said, where can I get one of those things from? <laughs> so when I saw this 80-year-old man up on the, in the sound shell with the shofar, I said, man, long I want one of those things. So um, I bought one off him, and, um, and I was led to the most magnificent people. And um, I just want to give recognition to my brother Jeremy and Paula Harding. They, they, they've, been, uh, they've been like a brother and sister to me, and they've, they've helped me out financially to send me places. And I've got a, there's a seasoned prophet here, Mr. Jeffrey Shilton. Or without any sort of a week, I won't go to his place because man sharpen the word. And I have some other brothers in here, Steve and Joanne Anderson. Seven and a half months, they gave me, they gave me uh, employment to to build a yacht of theirs. And I, I, if I can, Steve, I want to share that um, their dream was to take out people from Bay City here, people who are lost, broken hearted, and that's the dream that they had. Just a couple of weeks ago, the surveyor didn't give him a certificate. I worked seven and a half months on this boat. They put food in my pocket. They can't take their boat to sea. They spend a lot of money on their boat. And um, God had said to me today, Brother, oh, I just want to honour you, that you hold fast to that confession that you have, that you know your heart was to serve the Lord and to see people set free. And um, I just thank you, Brother, because with, with that money, you know, it contributes with other people. I'm able to go to Fiji tomorrow to see the greater signs and wonders and the next move of God in my life to see people raised from the dead and whatever God wants to do in Fiji. Um, so I guess if, 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 you, if you're here today and you don't know the power of the Lord and you've been moved in your heart, maybe you want to give your heart to the Lord today. It's the same as what I did. I didn't know who this God was. I cried out to them. If you feel in your heart today that you want to do that, I'm asking if you'd just get up out of your seat and come forth and just receive from the Lord salvation. I want to thank you today too that um, five weeks ago I stood with the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I looked after him. I also had a passport given to me. I also live in a house rent-free, a multi-million dollar house on top of Napier. I got given a car. Everything I have has been a provision from God. And, and um, all things are possible in God. I'm living proof of that.